right, dude. I'm really excited today. Um, we're kicking off the Flow Factory podcast number seven. I'm joined here by my good friend, Jeff Bristol. So me and him have a long history of debauchery and winning wrestling matches. And basically now we're just good friends and we both are going through fatherhood simultaneously. Have both have kids that are 17, 17 and a half months old now. So good to have you here, Jeff. Thank you, my brother. Yeah. I want to give you a little intro here. So Jeff is a trainer at, um, what's the name of the gym again? Fitness Quest 10. Fitness Quest 10. He trains the likes of Drew Brees, Michael Chandler, Darian Sproles, Chase Zolman, who I have the pleasure, or well, I don't even listen to the pleasure, of training as well in wrestling, and Talita Alankar, and many more athletic phenoms who are basically at the pinnacle of their profession in different sports, baseball, football, basketball, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, all those things. So he has a, a big network of people that he's trained and he was once a, a high level wrestler and all American wrestler in high school and wrestled division one for UC Davis, yes, which um, is now defunct, doesn't exist anymore, but yep. due to title nine, but we'll talk about that later. So it's good to have you here, man. Thank you, my man. I'm yeah. uh, super pumped to be here. It's pretty nostalgic getting together with you, you know? Um, I know we, we don't get to see each other a lot, but I follow you all the time, you know, in your life and, um, yeah, it's just great to be here, man. Ditto, man. Yeah. Ditto. Like me and me and Jeff have traveled a bunch together and yep. Jeff has been there for, for some of the high points in my life and low points and vice versa. Yes, so we, we know each other really well. We were on the same high school wrestling team together, uh, in Temecula and Jeff was one of those wrestlers that was just one of the best of the best. He, I think he was ranked in the top five in the country in high school, won Reno, which is like arguably the toughest high school wrestling tournament there is and I was transferred all that like experience that he's had on the mats to training others and I mean if you see him you could go follow him on Instagram he, he posts a lot and he he's one of the best trainers out there so if oh, you're in Southern you. California and San Diego give his gym a try and seek him out man yes sir so I brought Jeff in for multiple reasons other than being my friend and someone we have a vast history but he has a, a a checkered past, so to speak, which I wanted to talk about and be able to kind of go into some depth about because it's it's a problem. People people get caught up in in doing drugs, and it's it's something that some people don't have the the restraint to be able to come back from. And Jeff, it luckily, was able to persevere, and now is like you know amongst the living. Yes, sir. Man. So I guess like a good way to start this is like talk about how how things kind of started on you you getting injured, I think. You got injured yeah. and were prescribed like Vicodin or Yeah, you know, I could say that's, you know, cuz that's a pretty common way that people say like, oh, you know, he's you know, got a drug problem because of the surgeries at this yeah. point in his life. And that did happen like my freshman year in high school. You know, I missed my you know, you and I met when I was in middle school, basically. Yeah. You were like a standout senior at Temecula Valley getting recruited by Nebraska and everything. And I was like an up-and-comer, eighth grader coming to high school practices. and Giving me all I could want, yeah, dude. Yeah. Just like, and I, you know, um, very different style. I was just kind of more like a banger and, um, you know, but I'd always want to, you know, ask guys like yourself or Ryan Kane or some of the other guys at Temecula to wrestle with me. And I was just a, a young guy and... Um, so 
I remember being like an eighth grader and knowing that like some of the guys on the high school team smoked weed and stuff like that. And up until my like middle school, like seventh, eighth grade years, I was always very like perfect kid. Yeah, I remember you being like like, straight A's. I went to private school like up till eighth grade. Like I didn't really get exposed to a lot of stuff. And so as a young kid, my family you know, I had such a great childhood, my parents, you know, my parents and played a bunch of sports, went to private school. And it wasn't until like, I remember it was eighth grade. I think it was a wrestling camp actually. Um, but eighth grade freshman year that I first got exposed to some things that you get exposed to in high school, like drinking or smoking weed, you know? And, um, I always thought that I was going to be that, like, I even remember having a, a talk with one of our other friends, Tyler Morant. Mm-hmm. We were in eighth grade together. He was a freshman. And I said to him, so like, hey, man, like, next year when we're in high school, when I'm in high school, you got to, like, let's not smoke weed together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mm-hmm. remember making that pact with him when I was, like, in eighth grade, right? And then, like, fast forward to my freshman year, I literally think that the first time I got into a circle of some of the older guys and, like, we're at a party or something and that came out, it was, like, here, pass it over, (laughs) you know, like right out the window. I was so like my personality and everything, like, you know, like the party scene, just that kind of stuff in high school is really the first time, you know, I got exposed to that stuff and I was really drawn towards that. You know, it was like, um, and that kind of just grew from there, you know, the social scene parties and everything like that. Like, even though I was getting like, you know, really good grades, straight A's and I was, doing really good in wrestling and everything like that. I what put so much so much time and effort into my social scene and the parties and everything and that was really drawn to that that um I could only balance all three for a certain amount of time until like, you know, the middle of my college career when it caught up with me. Yeah, you know? like at a certain point your luck kind of runs out. Totally. But I mean, not to jump too far back. I remember you being able to balance things in a way that I I didn't understand. And I thought I was balancing things decently because I lived like a party lifestyle and I was, I was doing some things that, you know, I usually don't talk about where I was, I was dabbling in uh, psychedelics and smoking pot Mm -hmm. and drinking regularly and flourishing on the mat. Right. Doing well in school enough to the point where there's no issues. Right. Socially, things are fine. Totally. So I get to a certain degree what you went through but i mean you would be like doing some craziness you would be winning team runs in a d1 program Mm -hmm. being the best wrestler in the room and then staying up all night doing everything (laughs) like i mean it's crazy to even think about how how many other athletes on the team must have been like how is this even possible or did they did they even know some of your teammates not honestly not really because none of them I don't know. I think I just kind of like was attracted to that crowd in high school so that by the time I was through high school, I'd already tried every type of drug. Yeah. I was pretty like high. I mean, I was juggling everything pretty well at the time. Yeah. You can balance things and still perform. I remember from a young age. I was balancing a lot of stuff as far as like, you know, some of the other stuff, but still at the same time I was starting to deal with some consequences there was cracks in the in the, the yeah. dam like exactly little it was starting little. to yeah. exactly and like you know i got dui in high school got kicked off the team my junior year you know i did have a couple surgeries my sophomore junior year you know it's so like my high school career it was checkered 
could have like, been like yeah you could have yeah. been the most successful wrestler in high school well to make the history yeah who knows but yeah the potential the to the be potential was there and i mean i see i deal with some young athletes now in my training and stuff like and i'm just like damn if i had that mindset when i was your age like but at the same time it's something that drives me today so it's like yeah. it's it's you know it is what it is but i i do you know at the time i was um I, you know, started to deal with those consequences in high school, um, was able to talk myself out of a way, you know, talk myself out of a lot of situations. Yeah, definitely. You know, the gift um, of gab always, helped the gift you. of gab, yeah. totally. Um, you know, I was able to get a scholarship to college to wrestle and still was kind of like the whole facade was going on. But I was like, even at Davis and when I went to UC Davis to <clears> wrestle and, uh, you know, I was getting recruited by other colleges and stuff. Even like Ivy, like Columbia was recruiting me. Some other East Coast schools, you know, a couple of California schools like Cal Poly Davis and everything. And um, I really liked the team at Davis, but my lifestyle continued into college. You know, and when I was up there, I wasn't like spending my extra time trying to like hang out with, you know, the assistant coaches or, you know, go do my studies or anything. It was like, all right, where's the biggest frat party here? Like, you were looking for the go. dark side. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was always drawn to that. But then at the same time, when I went into the wrestling room, I was balls to wall in there. Yeah. And coaches loved that. They always loved that. Like when I was in high school, like my, the way I practiced was the same way I partied. And it yeah. was just kind of like balls to the wall. You know? I and think so there's like, something to be said. I'm not advocating for like living a lifestyle of, you know, recklessness and being uncontrolled. But I think there's something to say when you're young and you are, you cut loose on the mat and you live a certain way on the mat mm -hmm. that how that transfers off the mat. And I think those balance each other out a little bit because once you start to become conservative and you, you, you start to control what you take into your body and you sleep on time, mm -hmm. that kind of sometimes transfers on the mat because you become less reckless. You want to have everything controlled and you want to be sharp and everything just becomes a little different. Mm -hmm. And I think at a young age, a lot of the, these successful athletes live recklessly and, and they live that way on and off the mat mm -hmm. and on the mat or on the field of play. They do great. They do right. great things. And it's amazing. Right. I'm not advocating that, right. but a lot of times that's the kind of athletes you get that are really successful. But at a certain point, I think the life off the, the, the field or mat that catches up with you and you can no longer compete because of say like a John Jones or totally. some of these athletes that, that kind of shoot themselves in their foot because right. they can't control themselves enough to where they could even make it to game day. Right. So it's an interesting like dichotomy where you have like you, you were an amazing athlete still are. I mean, you're a specimen today. I mean, you're <laughs> what? 34 years old now. 34, yeah. And like you might have 5% body fat. Yeah. I think you're in better shape now than you were Probably. when you're wrestling. Probably. Probably, but uh, taking better care of my body, that's for sure. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. But you were a little more reckless then and you took those chances yeah. on the mat. And yeah. that's what probably got you a lot of those wins where, you know, someone right. who, who wrestled more conservative probably lived more conservative in their, their home life. And totally. how they like went about their day to day training and mm -hmm. their relationships where you you were just like doing yeah. what you did and going off momentum and and winning. Right. So it's sometimes as a coach now, I could see both sides. I right. could see like, well, hey, this guy's winning and he's doing what he's doing. So, uh, yeah, until it kind of catches him in the butt. And that's something, you know, yeah. there's a gray area there. Sometimes. Well, one thing about that is that like, so say that the way 
the way that I was like in my wrestling and everything like that, a lot of it was stuff that you can't coach. You know, like the way a certain per kid practices or something like that. Mm -hmm. like you can't coach that. You can't motivate a kid to do that. It's just like that. You can't that teach fight. heart. Yeah. You can't, you can't teach, teach heart. heart. Yeah. But at the same time, like, and here's another, you know, way of looking at it is that like I was doing a lot of the same things that some of my friends were doing, like yourself or other people like in our generation Circle, yeah. that were do we were doing this, the same stuff together, but I'm just a little bit different cut from a different cloth. That's yeah. why like certain people like, you know, the mindset was that, okay, you're in high school, you're going to smoke some weed. You might try a little bit of other things. And then maybe in college you do these parties and everything. But then at some point it's like, you just grow up and you get out of it. And then mm -hmm. you, have, you know, you have, you get a job and you have a family and life goes on. Well, for me, it wasn't that it was just like, you know, it, the, the drink, the, the drinking and drug use, mainly drug use kind of like increased over the years and it became less and less of a party type of a situation. It was more just like Lifestyle. I was addicted to the, yeah. to the, the to feeling the drugs, of, yeah. to the, to the high, you know, I, you know, I chased the high and, um, to the point where, and I was like the kind that the person that would do whatever, you know, and it led me into the hard drugs, drugs that other athletes or students, you know, at UC Davis weren't doing, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was not hanging out with students when I was doing those things. And I found little circles and then it, it got to a point where, you know, I went and, you know, I ended up going to rehab for the first time in the middle of my college career, where it's like, I look back at high school and college and it's like, man, like, uh, okay. I, you know, I lost two years of my high school wrestling career because of discipline issues and injuries and this and that a lot of, because of my lifestyle. And then in college, you know, I was a NCAA qualifier and coulda, shoulda, woulda been this or what, whatever, you know, and Derek Moore was my teammate and we were workout partners and we just like go back and forth in the room. And then what ended up happening was I went off to rehab and he won a national championship. <laughs> Weren't you actually in rehab? I was in rehab in Palm Springs my senior year of college. That was the um, first time I went to rehab. My coach, Lenny Zaleski, great man right there. Um, he, you know, spoke to my parents. And, you know, at that point, all my teammates and stuff were kind of concerned about what was going on with me. And I wasn't showing up for practices. And I wasn't able to keep it up mm -hmm. anymore. It was like it had passed that point. And so... Um, you know, I took a quarter off of school in the middle of wrestling season, my senior year, which I should have been, you know, vying for a national title or doing, yeah, yeah. or all American or yeah. something, you know, and instead I'm in Palm Springs and you're not allowed to have your own cell phones there or anything. So I'm like on a pay phone getting news from my parents that Derek just won a national championship. Your drill partner, someone you'd wrestled off, someone that you were, totally like, it's crazy yeah. how the lives kind of intersect and then branch off where, totally. you know, you could have definitely had the same similar story as Derek, right? Who, you know, Derek's a different guy though. You know, as far as like the way he lives and oh, yeah. he's like he a military a of, guy, oh, dude, ton of respect for Derek. Yeah. Cause I mean, me and Derek, Great wrestler. we were the same year in college and he had an incredible work ethic and he was one of those kids that was in college and he was focused on school and sports, Yeah, you know, like I run across a ton of those kind of kids today, you know, like at the, you know, at the gym I work at, I meet these kids that just have this, you know, focus on, you know, they're in their training during their off season and everything. Well, I was like partying during my off season yeah. and in season. You yeah. know? Like, <laughs> I mean, it was a complete opposite. I just wish, you know, like if I could go back, I would have definitely changed my priorities yeah. around, you know? It's so like, is there that level of regret nowadays that you're, you know, 
a father and mm-hmm. have you have a family and you're in a stable job where you're super successful mm-hmm. and you probably learned more from those mistakes to become the man you are now. Mm-hmm. And it probably has propelled you into the success now where totally. you're like super, you're doing great, man. But say you were an all American, right? Like uh, it's hard to be regretful. Uh huh looking back at how successful you are now, if you're an all American, what's the the trajectory for you? Totally. You become a high school wrestling coach. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, it's almost like a trap sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like, totally. and I'm not knocking like that world. I love that world that right. I came, I was cut from that cloth. So were you. Yeah. So I get it, but I've seen, for instance, there's a guy, Matt Gentry, great college wrestler. Yeah. Wrestled for Stanford, Stanford. university. I remember. Got I a degree. Yeah. Great guy. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I've heard this from other people that were friends from him. Like it was like almost a detriment that he won that national title Mm -hmm. because then the next thing you know, he's involved in wrestling for the rest of his life. Right. When this guy went to Stanford, got a degree, I've forgotten what field, but was like straight A's. Totally. You never know. Yeah. So obviously this is a different circumstances we're talking about with you, but you learn so much from these mistakes that it set you off on a line where the the trials and errors that you've been through, Mm -hmm. you're doing great. And there's big things on the horizon for you too, in the world that you're, you're leading in the, the training and entrepreneurship. So Mm -hmm. I think this is like something to ponder where, you know, I'm glad you made it out alive Amen. because there was times where I know that you Mm -hmm. were on the brink and at the bottom. And, and what were some of those times? Like you're at the bottom of the barrel. What, like, what was an experience that was like, this is rock bottom or is there no rock bottom? Is rock bottom like well, years. rock bottom for me, there's a different rock bottom for everybody. And when, even when today, like when I'm in my setting at the gym, you know, and I tell people about, you know, there, I had, a, I went through a rough patch in my twenties and dealt with like some addiction issues and everything. It's like, and it's not like when people deal with issues, it's not like, Oh, mine was more hardcore than yours or anything. But like, my rock bottom as opposed to like getting a DUI or something like, no, my rock bottom was, you know, I was a heroin addict and crystal meth. And, you know, I've known about a half a dozen people that have died. Friends of mine, friends of ours that we've known, Mm -hmm. like, honestly, it's like one a year kind of people that I knew or ran in the same circles with. And there were many different instances where, I could have easy, easily overdosed and died and or been in prison for a long time. You know, you know, I my I went to jail multiple times after, you know, I don't know if, you know, my path led from, you know, the first trip to rehab in college and then multiple other trips to rehab and then to jail and then to back to rehab and then back to jail. And then it was like during that time and period of my life, it was like 23 to 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, those five years or so, it was just like, I mean, you visit, I remember you you visited me in jail, right? right? You know, like, and, um, other friends of ours did too. I mean, I I was supposed to be in Tyler's Tyler Moran's wedding and I was, I couldn't be in his wedding because I got arrested again, you know? And I was just like, so like my parents, my family suffered incredibly during that time. You know, it was just like, Oh, like they, they did everything as parents to set their kid up just like, you know, school sports, like good family like background everything and it was just because of my personality and my you know inclination towards that lifestyle and everything and kind of the environment and the people I was drawn towards that led me down that path and you know thank God along the same at the same time like I was exposed to so many incredible people like 
you know, you talk about the power of like mentors or coaches, like the coaches and mentors that I've had in my life are like second to none. Dude, like I, if I go back to even back to like kids wrestling club, you know, scorpions. I was a scorpion for about a week. Yeah. I remember those days. I mean, judo camp, you know what I mean? But still like, Mm -hmm. um, the, the coaches and mentors that I've had in my life from, you know, you know, the Ken Smith and Larry Meredith to Arnold Alpert, Lyndon Campbell. Then in college I have Lenny Zaleski, Mark Munoz, Uriah Faber. You know, those are my three coaches. These are the people that like, and I had incredible relationships with all of them, but I never really fully like invested in those relationships because you had this other I was like, life all right, guys, on. all right, practice is over. See ya. Like, uh, what time do I got to be back tomorrow? You know, yeah. it was like, I was more drawn to the other stuff, you know? And, and then fast forward after, you know, those guys, it's even to my current situation with Todd Durkin, my boss mentor, like incredible, you know, he's a, a, a mentor and coach to some of the highest level business and athlete, you know, business people and athletes out there. And, um, through that world, I've become like a trainer to guys like Mike Chandler. And, you know, so all these people along my life, I've been just, you know, given incredible people. And especially back, you know, before I got sober, um, those coaches and mentors and stuff like they, like, you know, when I was so lucky because, you know, like the people that we talk about that didn't win that, that lost the fight. Yeah. You know, I had a, a village behind me the whole time. You know what I mean? Just like, think if you didn't have that support, I mean, I mean, you'd have been on your own and in a dark place. Right. Yeah. It's like my family fought for my sobriety forever. You know, my, my wife, you know, Sam, uh, she's somebody who came in and so, and, and other people, you know, friends like you and other, other, um, coaches and re- former wrestling teammates. And just, I've always had a just incredible team or village. You know, they say it takes a village. Well, I had a village fighting for me the whole time. Like it was incredible, you know, and it's still, I, uh, I completely stepped away from all those people for a long period of time. You know, like that time, you know, if you look at after that first time I went to rehab for like the next five years, it was like, everybody trying to get a hold of me all the time. And I was off doing my thing and running around and running with rough crowds and this and that. And, um, and it bums me out looking back because, you know, like my whole college wrestling team, I finally, now I'm just like getting reconnected, like in the last couple of years, you know, I've been sober five or six years here. And in the last couple of years, I'm just like reconnecting with it. Well, those guys are like, I was super tight with in college, but because I had that like, whole life. your extracurriculars kind of prevented you from still being that team and that village together totally. with those that crew like yeah, i yeah. mean i remember not to take away from what you were saying but i remember mm-hmm. being living in the bay area i was uh finishing school at menlo college and i was doing judo at san jose state and i was actually i went to a dual meet a wrestling dual meet at san francisco state university where uc davis was wrestling san francisco state and i went there and I hadn't spoken with you for a couple of weeks, but you were supposed to wrestle in this meet. Yeah. And I show up to go watch and 141 comes up and no Jeff Bristol. So I go up and I talk to Mark uh, Munoz, Munoz and Uriah Faber after. And I'm like, what happened? Where's Jeff? And they're like, 
you tell me yeah. kind of thing. So they knew that something was wrong. And I, this wasn't even the end of your career. This right. was like, you still wrestled. That was like my junior year, probably. Yeah. It was like, that's when the wheels were starting to fall off. Yeah. Yeah. Where I, I, I remember that they loved you. They, they had your best interest at heart and all these, I mean, these are people that are really successful as coaches, as mm -hmm. competitors in MMA, wrestling, in anything they do. Like, yeah. so it's just like you had such like this draw towards this other thing that it, it prevented you from being able to accept what they were giving. And I, I understand that right. being an athlete, an ex athlete and a coach now where I, I got pulled into the dark side a few times. And mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think I had the inclination that you did where I was like as much of someone who was going to be uh, like, like the addiction thing right. where I was more like the social side of things totally. where, where you, it probably started in the social side and then yep. the chemical thing took over where yep. it was like, okay, oh, uh, I'm trying like almost like how I don't really agree with it. But for your case and many other cases for me, it doesn't work. But that, um, what's it called when you, you, you do a little drug and it builds to the next drug and the next drug, it's like a gateway, the gateway. Yeah. Yeah. That the whole theory of the, the gateway, gateway theory. Drug. Yeah. But it's more, it puts you around people who are going to offer you the next step upwards, which right. is like, you know, the Coke or speed or mm -hmm. uh, the heroin and then moves, you know, keeps going. So I don't know if you go above heroin, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's like the end of the road, the right? End of the road. Well, you could do those together, right? Yep. So that's like probably where it ends. But um, yeah, I mean, so, but you were fortunate to be around such good people and oh, man, I yeah. mean that we're all pulling for you, totally. uh, me being one of them. So yeah. I'm glad that like you've pulled it together and you're in a place now where it's like you could look back and you have that experience to be able to help others. Totally. Where I know plenty of people who as you were saying, have never come back yeah, and are still living that life. Yeah. I mean, they are not doing great. Yeah. I mean, as it's not a longevity game, you no. can't do that for long without having the repercussions of either, you know, being thrown in jail or mm. losing your life or your health mm -hmm. or your relationships because it just puts you in a dark hole. Totally. So when you were at your darkest times and you were, juggling this dual lifestyle of super competitor, high level wrestler, D one athlete and heroin addict, mm -hmm. speed at a uh, crack or not. What was that? <laughs> crack. <laughs> well, Hey, heroin and meth, heroin and meth. What's that called when you mix them? Speedball, speedball. Speed yeah. So those like those stories of like mm -hmm. you basically being in the ER from an, an ambulance, taking you to the hospital, you waking up and coming to after almost being pronounced dead, pulling out the plugs and going right back to the same place where you did it to shoot more. So I know some of these experiences were like probably you're not proud of. No. But is there anything like you'd want to share that might give some of the listeners or people like some context of how deep down the rabbit hole you were? You know, I... I think that, you know, one message is that I, I, I go to like something I do today now in, in my recovery and where I'm at is I go and speak to schools and these opportunities kind of create, were created by clients I worked with that are involved in different schools in San Diego. And I talk to the students because it's like, you know, growing up, I think it's just like who I was as a, you know, my upbringing 
like white upper middle class Temecula private school, kind of like born education. On yeah, Silver Spoon, like you know, could have gone to Columbia, could have gone to you know Ivy League colleges, went to UC Davis. Like that background should not end up with a needle in your arm, hanging out at you know drug houses, overdosing. Like I was, I had gone from here to you know so it's like that i had everything the the bat the, the the sports the school the family everything and i still almost died from drug addiction and so i think that you know um the message is that you know nobody is safe from nobody is safe from and it's you don't know who you know it's like like I said earlier that I think some of us, I was doing the same things in the beginning, like freshman, sophomore, junior in high school that other us were doing, but it just affected me in a different way than others. And I continued on, you know, and I think, you know, um, uh, I had some, I look back and it's like, you know, I know people that have died from overdoses or, you know, that are not as lucky as I was and it could have very been easily been me at any given time. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, that's what's sometimes just like, you know, getting news about a certain somebody passing away from, from this or that. It's like, man, I look back to those times where I was like woken up by the paramedics. Well, what if I wouldn't have been any, with anybody at that time? So I would have died. So you when know? you were woken up by a paramedic, you had OD'd. Right. And luckily I was with somebody who had enough sense to call 911 and the paramedics came and gave me Narcan and woke me up. If I would have been in that bathroom by myself, I would have died. So you were in a bathroom, like at a friend's house or uh, not? Well, friendly? like that one particular, I was at a house in like Hemet Paris area, you know, and I was with a friend, but with other people at a, mm -hmm. you know, sketchy, sketchy place. And I went out after using taking a shot of heroin went out cold and what happens is you start turning blue and you know the oxygen isn't going to your and the other people at the house did not want to call it was my friend they're worried about and i was house. there with kevin kane uh, or, who ended up dying who ended up dying you know not too long ago. not too long ago a couple years ago and i loved kevin man kevin was one of my best friends in high school he he was I probably him of, well man yeah we we spent a lot of yeah. time with him man he's just a great person Drug addiction does not care if you're a great person. You know, there's a lot of great people out there that suffer from addiction. And it's like, it sucks because it's like, you get labeled like that, that thief, that liar that, and you are all those things because of the drugs you're on. Like I was all those things. I was the liar, the thief, the whatever. I became this person that just like did these things to my, my family or whoever, like, you know, and it wasn't me though, you know? And so I sympathize with addicts, you know, addicts within families, you know, those addicts have burnt bridges and they're a lot of times by siblings are just like, Oh, he's, he's a piece Write of him shit. Off. He's a piece of shit. Rather than like, get but it's like, but at the same time, it's like, I understand from the family standpoint, cause it's like only so much that you can, you know, it comes to a point where it's like, you have to, you have to cut them off and, you know, let them figure it out on their own, on their own and everything. But the, it's just, it's a sad deal, man. That's crazy. That I mean, do you? That same person, Kevin, 
basically kind of saved me on a couple different occasions and he you know wasn't so lucky you know i was able to get out of the, the scene and get away and get sober and you know have all these other you know things my life my life trajectory completely so changed. he wasn't as fortunate to be able to he get out of temecula and, and not yeah. even to get out of temecula, I mean, get just, out of his... just get out of the lifestyle yeah you know and and i do know others that have but it's fewer and farther between yeah you know um so it's good for me to talk about it like right now because I don't talk about it all the time, you know, yeah. and it's like that's why, you know, being in recovery and going to meetings and AA meetings and, you know, being a sponsor to somebody or anything like that used to be a bigger part of my mm-hmm. my life like in the beginning when I wasn't working as much and everything and that's not, you know, it's like it's to share, you know, sharing your story, sharing your experience with other people because you never know who might be listening totally. to this podcast right now. I actually now. had someone, so Jessica Penne was on a few weeks yeah. ago. Or it might have been Majid. I forgot which person came on, but I talked about you and how, you know, drug addiction gets the better of some people, but it's never too late. Right. And I, it was, I didn't give much detail or yeah. context. I just alluded to it very simple, very small little snippet. And I got a message from an old friend uh, on the East coast mm. who I hadn't heard from in years. Yeah. And he went through the same process where he was, had a good life. And his mom died Yeah. and he went to a dark area and he started using really heavily. And he's like, just in the few, last few months is like seeing the light of day and wow. has become sober for, I think a year now, maybe, but it was like three or four years where he was in a bad place yeah. and he hit me up and he's like, can you tell me more about this Jet Bristol and what, what did he do and how is he dealing with those demons? Cause yeah. I think, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong battle. It's not right. like I'm over it, bro. Totally. You know? So he, he had some interesting things to say and I'll connect you guys, but do it. He, uh, he was an MMA fighter. I cornered him in a fight before yeah. and he, uh, is a really good person. Yeah. He just had a hard time dealing with some things and yeah. got the better of him and, but he's in a good place now. So yeah. I'm happy for that. But it was just, it, it's funny. You talked about that and it, it reminded me of him yeah. and how he just hit me up. I haven't talked to him in years and he heard your little, just a short little plug about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah how, cause I forgot how it even came up last week, but I'm glad you're here to, to share that because yeah. some people don't have the answers and they don't have, they can't go to meetings. They're, they're just, right. they get in the way of themselves to get better. So they, they don't have, they need people from the outside like yeah. you who have been through it and come out better on the back end. Yeah. So that's a really good thing that you're doing that, man, that you're able to, to share these stories. From and, my, from, you know, from my experience, the two biggest things that help me get sober and stay sober, honestly, has been community and fitness. I mean, and then for me, it's kind of combined, you know, it's like, the biggest community that I'm a part of is now where I, where I work, my gym, it's all my clients, like coworkers. I mean, that's my community. And then it's like my, my, and that could be your church, your AA group, your whatever. It's like, you have to have a community, a positive community around you. Yeah. And then it's also, you know, exercise or, you know, a new routine, a new, I think exercise is big. big. Like as far as like getting that spike of, dopamine and being yeah. able to to feel positive about yourself rather than going to a substance outside of yourself right so you're able to kind of dig deeper and and get something out of yourself that makes you feel you know worthy yeah. it's an interesting thing still in my almost 40 years old now i got to work out every day or i feel yeah. crummy it's a weird thing even yeah. if i 
accomplish things Start going a little crazy for sure if yeah, i accomplish things like outside shit. of working out like i, I make a, a business deal that makes me and my family a bunch of money or i design something mm -hmm. in graphic design or i coach something unless i physically get a hard workout in mm -hmm. it's hard for me to feel on top of my game in totally. a way that i'm not anxious right. i feel at ease and that's totally. something i think that'll follow me for the rest of my life you know yeah. being i've competed since i was seven and you've competed since you were seven yeah. seven i mean i remember you wrestling at the greco state wrestling tournament my first wrestling tournament ever i think i was in sixth grade yeah and you're so you were in second grade yeah how old are you in second grade six seven uh you are eight eight i think and yeah. you, had, you i've won, been wrestling for a couple of years yeah. yeah you won that tournament. i remember <laughs> yeah. going to that with you guys yeah. oh my gosh the Halseys and yeah. Pat Cadwaller and a bunch of like hardcore California wrestling yeah. legends. Yeah. All of us like young and not really knowing what's up and totally. all of us winning these tournaments <laughs> and looking back, it's kind of funny that, you know, I didn't know you were going to be a close family friend for the rest of my life. Yeah. You were just that scrawny little kid who used his head as like <laughs> a, a Brillo pad to wrestle with. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, so there's like plenty of things that, I also wanted to talk to you about just as far as like you getting your life back and what were those things that like motivated you to, to come back into like wanting more mm -hmm. out of life. I know it was like you were in jail and there's yeah. other things, but totally those forces. So, you know, I think that's a question that I don't think anybody can answer that has been down a path. And they, you know, I get asked that when people learn that I did have addiction issues or I had the path that I had, they go, you know, what was the turning point or what was this? Um, that's a really hard question to answer. Yeah. I mean, if any, if people figured out, you know, you know how to turn things around, people would be turning things around. It's not a gimmick. It's, it's not, not a trick. It's like, I don't know what happened. You know, I think that, you know, like my experience with wrestling, um, just the people that were around me, um, uh, it kind of got to a point where, I, I knew it was like, I was at the end of my twenties. I've been in and out of rehab and jail for a long time. And through a series of, you know, meeting, being surrounded by good people, you know, like when I met my wife, my now wife, Samantha Wilson, um, she's she, super gnarly as she well. Like gnarly. she's hardcore. Like I needed somebody gnarly like that. Yeah. She's an ultra runner, ultra runner. Uh, she's a social worker. She gets it from like the human standpoint, but she's also like a no bullshit kind of like she's hardcore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? And, um, but awesome. But love awesome. Sam. Dude. Yes. Sam is, um, but meeting, meeting her, uh, getting out of, getting away from some of my old roots, you know, Temecula being one of them, sure. you know, getting out of there and moving to San Diego. And, and then thank God, like I found my, path into my now career, which is, you know, in the fitness industry, uh, training people and coaching people. It's like, I've always been a people person. You know, that's why I love to party to begin with. You <laughs> yeah. know, like that's what, um, I know I've seen these videos of you and I've, I've, you know, I just know you. So I know that you bring an energy to the workout arena mm -hmm. that people gravitate towards. It's totally. like you're running these, it's almost like more than a workout it's like an experience from right. what I could tell. Like everyone is in unison. You're leading by this positive energy rather than like the come on, the <laughs> football coach that everyone hates. That's right. a cliche guy in the totally. clipboard, the guy that's a douche. Totally. You're not that guy. You're the guy who's like, 
working on people's positive attributes and clapping and right. being motivational at the same time as teaching them how to live a lifestyle of being in shape. Right. I've seen from, you know, your 40 year old types that are out of shape to your professional high level elite athletes. Yeah. So it's pretty cool just from like social media. Totally. I really got to get down there and, and experience oh, yeah. it myself. I know I've you dra drag me down there and I'm doing my own thing up here, but I will. I promise. We both live in San Diego, <laughs> but it's like opposite ends and it feels like yeah, it can get either further. of us. Yeah. It's like LA and Mexico. Right? <laughs> totally. Well, I think not to segue like too much, but I'm going to be going down to San Diego more often now yep. to Chula Vista to go help out at Alliance. That was the last time you came by there yeah. was when you went to Alliance last time and yeah, I went with yeah. you. So you, you were now we're going to make it a regular yeah, occurrence. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. You got to start taking care of that body rolling around. Oh God, these people it's going to be rough. Time. Well, I'm going to be, so I'm going to be helping coach the pro team at Alliance MMA. So the first three practices are to just see if it's a good fit. Yep. So hopefully I'll be down there more often yep. and then we could like collaborate and definitely. grab lunch and work out. Definitely. Definitely. So it'll be an interesting experience for me, but I don't want this to be about me. So I want to be about Jeff. Um, so is there anything new and interesting down there at uh, your gym that you have been working on? Or I know you have a lot of projects in the, in, in the making and you, mm -hmm. you work with a lot of high level athletes and I know like Mike Chandler and you have a good relationship and he just moved out to Nashville. Yep. Right. And he has his own gym and yep. he was just on Joe Rogan's podcast. Yep. I listened to it and it was really interesting. I know Mike, but I don't know him like that where, right. you know, a three hour conversation. Totally. And I know that you guys are close mm -hmm. and only peripherally do I know him through you. But mm -hmm. so I know that he, you guys were going to, you were, you got offered to, to go out there and help. Coach. So yeah, like kind of rewind a little bit, just back to like, you know, we were talking about like, how did things change kind of for me? And first of all, was getting into that training world, you know, it's weird how like, you know, you, you, you talked about that example with, you know, say you were an all American and all of a sudden you're a wrestling coach and you know, it's like, I know my experience led me to Fitness Quest 10. It was all like as cliche as it sounds, it's like yeah. I literally got into the fitness and training industry because I, for the first time in my life, got sober, moved out of Temecula, got, went down to San Diego, and I went and applied at a job. I, I got a, a sales job. I had it for about six months, and a bunch of my coworkers were leaving, leaving to go to this other company i went and applied there and i wasn't on it i didn't fill out my application with all my you know mm -hmm. record and everything like that and so um they hired me i took the job i went through their training program and two weeks after the training program i got called into the check. human resources department and they they let me go and so i found myself unemployed living in san diego i was trying to get my back on my feet and um and I saw this gym that was right up the street from my house, and they had advertised on Craigslist for a part-time position. What year is this? This is 2011. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I had no plan of being in the fitness industry. You know, I had a background with, I had a college degree from UC Davis, wrestling, you know, um, no real work experience to talk about besides working for family company, mm -hmm. you know, Bristol construction, or whatever, mm -hmm. and like nothing really at that point in my life. And, um, so I took the job and it ended up being at an incredible gym that I've now been there coming up on seven years. And it was literally like, you know, like a God shot 
one of those like divine intervention type things mm -hmm. where I was living within a, a mile of this gym, not knowing who, who was the owner or what the gym was. But uh, I saw the, I was actually going to 24 hour fitness across the freeway because Juan Mora was a manager there at the time and I was working out for free and going to see Juan and this and that. But I saw this job posting and I replied to it. My thought was like, hey, you know, like I like working out, like I can get this part-time job while I continue to look for a quote unquote real job, you know? And so that's what brought me into the doors of Fitness Quest 10 and started my training career. And I remember the first week there and during the interview process and stuff, it was like, holy crap. Like, um, first of all, Todd Durkin, my, my boss, good friend. Put a little context. He was on a television show called. Yeah, that was NBC strong last year. Yeah. And he so, was like, he blew, he did personality, awesome. He did yeah, great. He is, yeah. He was like, came in, I think in the, the top two of yeah. all the trainers that it's a crazy show. I, I actually followed it just because of you <laughs> yeah. and I watched all the episodes yeah. and he got called back on to the show totally. after like getting booted but then they brought him yep. on because he was so like the personality yeah the personality yeah, totally. so i could see why you grab it you like worked yeah. really well so like uh todd durkin is an internationally recognized trainer coach he's like a um you know if you go to any of the fitness conferences he's one of the top speakers there and so he's a big guy in the fitness industry um fitness quest 10 has grown from so yeah. is it more fitness than strength and conditioning? Is that like, are they two different things? No, I mean, so Fitness Quest 10 is a gym, but it does, we do everything there from athlete performance to general health and fitness, like personal training, large group, small group classes. And then there's like Pilates, yoga, okay. massage. So, so strength and conditioning is like pigeonhole, like a little right. bit more. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. so strength and conditioning would be more if you're talking about from like, sports or okay. ath an athlete but you're all inclusive you're a strength and conditioning coach that's a lot of times when you're referring to athletes yeah we train a lot of athletes and very high level athletes you know guys like drew Brees and um ladanian tomlinson trained their whole career there and so that's what put todd and fitness quest 10 on the map he opened up the gym in 2000 just him and another person and now we have 42 people on staff and we do everything and he was a football player he was a football player in, in college and after college, and that uh, kind of led his path to eventually opening up his own facility. But he's a, a you know a motivational speaker and a great coach and leader. You know he coaches some of the you know highest level athletes, but he's also on the flip side he coaches other fitness professionals, business owners. You know he's very big into the personal development and motivational speaking mm -hmm. arena and everything like that. So. When I not, got, a ba not a bad sensei to have like, no, as far as like totally. you needing someone that's going to be a little bit more like a little Tony Robbins. -y, totally. I mean, not to like ugh, right. shit on that, but that's <laughs> someone that you like at the time, at the time, man, you you're in man. a dark place. You don't have a job. You don't have any work experience. You've been in prison or jail. You've been in right. rehab, but you, yet you have a degree. You're smart. You totally. know, you're an, an ex-athlete of a really super high level. You need someone that could guide you. And it this guy like, seems like the perfect guy. It was like the perfect, it was meant to be there yeah. type thing. And so um, that's when I started my career there. I wasn't like a certified trainer or anything like that. I was just, I had my background in sports, which that alone is the best experience or background that you could have actually be in there and done it yourself and, mm -hmm. and trained at a high level and everything like that. But um, I started working there. I went. I, I saw 
he has, you know, these events at our, in San Diego, these live events where it's like a mentorship program where all these trainers and gym owners from all over the world come. And it's like, you know, a three day event. And he does all this coaching on personal development, sales, marketing, fitness, everything about being a fitness professional. And he was hosting one of those within the first couple of weeks of me working there. And I just remember thinking like, man, this is like, this is, I could do totally do this for a career. You know? Oh, so right. Okay. So early so right, on you were right like, in the beginning, okay. I was kind of blown away, you know, and it was like, you know, we're ranked top 10 gyms in the country by men's health. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like I just got a job at your local 24 hour fitness. So it was like I had gotten my foot in the door at a good, one of the top gyms in the country. Yeah. And it was right down the street, a half a mile from my house by chance. And so that's um, cool. You didn't and I fell into it because I only because I had, gotten let go from that other sales job because of my background, mm -hmm. you know? So it was like a series of events that led me there where it was kind of like, I started working there and getting in my groove. I was going back to school, went back to UCSD extension and did an exercise science program and then started training people. And it's kind of just been a thing that has just picked up and it's, you know, definitely f feel like, you know, if you can find something that you love to do. And I mean, that's the big, that's the big challenge in life, right? Is to have your work to be something you have, love yeah. instead of and just punching like, a time clock exactly. where you're just dying inside. So many people do it slowly every so day. So many people do it. Yeah. And it's like, I go to work and it's like, we're having fun and I'm on a team again. Like, I feel like I'm in college almost <laughs> like it's <laughs> like my wrestling team. But this time it's like, you know, all these trainers of different ages and, uh, uh, you know, males, females, and we're training all different types of athletes. Um, and, um, and we're, you know, we have a lot of like just local San Diego uh, residents that are clients. We, I live in the gym is in Scripps Ranch and it's a lot of like more like affluent families and, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, a lot of really like successful professionals in their own arena, which is awesome. It's like, I have all these mentors and all these different, um, arenas and, you know, I'm the expert in my field to them, which at first was like such a weird thing for me because it was like, wait a minute. Some CEOs looking Some to CEOs you for Some CEOs like asking me like for advice and, you know, and I'm like, bro, I was in like rehab a couple years ago. <laughs> you know, it was kind of, but I've grown, <laughs> I've, grown I've grown to like, uh -huh. you know, it's really actually helped me a lot in my career because think Confidence about wise, your confidence. Well, I mean, from a confidence standpoint, but almost like, Say like, even if you're dealing with like weight loss, like weight loss is such a hard thing for people to, to, to beat. It's an addiction. And I've, you're like working with some trainer that's like got 5% body fat and you're like, bro, you we don't know what it's alike. like. What, yeah. You don't know what it's like to not be able to stop eating. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, you don't know what it's like to not fucking stop sticking needles in your arm. Like I've struggled in ways that other people and have. And is that something you like go to sometimes? No, no, no. But it's just I think people know about my past and they're more like just, you know, open to. They're more comfortable with me and they're mm -hmm. more open to you know. To, I mean, really, like as a trainer or a coach, especially as a you know when you're training people, I think for general health and fitness that are just like dealing with life. As, as aside from an athlete, you know, mm -hmm. we have athletes that come in that are there for a purpose, mm -hmm. to get better at their game. Do you like working with athletes more than people with issues that not issues, but right. people that are, are just your more average, but yet affluent and have their own goals that are not like trying to be the best running back or honestly, like I've talked to, I've, I've had this conversation with somebody before and it's, it's like in a perfect world, 
you know, the athlete training is awesome because it's like fun and exciting. And you're like, Hey, like, you know, they're Mike, milestones Mike Chandler, are up here. Like, yeah. Mike Chandler, like world champ, like we're training for the belt right now. And it's like hard, you know, intense training, everything like that. And I love that. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to have a hundred percent of those clients. Mm -hmm. I really like it that like, if I could have pick a, like a good split, it'd be like, you know, 20% like athletes and maybe like 80% people that like a healthy balance. Yeah. Yeah. Or like more like, you know, they're, it's a, it's a dad that, you know, he's running a business and he has a wife and kids and he's struggling. You know, I really connect with other parents right now. Like, especially parents of like young adult kids, because it's like, they know I like see my parents mm. They're And they're like a lot of times dealing with stuff like their kids, you know, depression or, you know, drug or addiction or, or whatever it is. It's like, I can totally empathize with that and talk from a place of like experience, experience. Yeah. And it's like really put me in a place to really connect with my clients uh, at a much deeper level, I think. And I think just like with coaching or training or anything, a trainer, um, training, you can be a great trainer if you can connect with people. I don't care what degree you have or how many masters of exercise science or whatever, this or that. It's like none of that shit matters if you can't connect with the person on a deeper level. And that's what I love to do, you know, like, and that's what has helped me. I think just with my experiences that, um, I've been down some dark, like to a dark path and it gives me a different little bit of a perspective on. Yeah. You can relate oh, yeah. to a lot more broad of an audience than your normal person who just did everything by the book and yeah. did things probably in a way that you would want your kid to do, yeah. you know, you know, you want your kid to go to college, you know, be successful, get a job. It's like, but I've had a lot more life experience for somebody my age because I've been through real stuff. Like even me and my wife, we've been through real stuff before we even got married. Cause I, she met me before I got clean, got clean. Yeah. And we had major ups and downs. So it was like, before we even got married, we had been through the darkness <laughs> that like usually married couples don't go through until way after the honeymoon phase and everything's mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's it was like you would did it in reverse. Almost. Totally. Yeah. Man. And it's like, you know, even people, it's like, you don't know what people are going through. I can literally think about last night. You know, I had a, a client, you know, if you, from the outside, it's like, he's a doctor, his kid's going to this really respectable private school. Success it's like, story. You know, it, yeah. But it's like, he's in tears with me because he's worried about the social stuff going on with his son in high school who's going away to college and his wife's got a drinking problem. And it's like, dude, and I got this, I'm like, this guy's wow, unloading on that's me. That's deep, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that happens a lot, you know. And Especially you're getting them working out and endorphins oh, are like things time. are happening where they emotions are coming to the surface and totally. you're there for the, it's like the bartender, that cliche thing, you know, you're there drinking <laughs> yeah, and then you're, you're that <laughs> yeah, guy a little not bit. Not the bartender anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. To be, yeah, know, but. Totally. But that's kind of what I'm, I'm envisioning yeah. at least. Yeah. So that's interesting that you, you know, so, you see all walks of life. Yeah, I see, I see all walks of life. Um, and going back to my experience has helped me as a, you know, like we look back and go, dang it. Like I, I should have, could have wish it would have yeah. wish that never happened. Obviously caused myself, my parents, my family, everybody, a ton of heartache for sure. Suffering. Yeah. But myself and my family included has been able to 
use my my experience, our experience as a as a family to help other families that have gone through tough stuff and and um and so yeah that from that point of view and then um you know the other side of being like a trainer at fitness quest 10 is that i get to be surrounded by athletes that are still you know chasing to be you know chasing their dreams chasing to be at the top of their game for sure so it keeps me keeps me in the mix a little bit yeah you know like Keeps you young a little Keeps bit. Keeps me young. Yeah, yeah. I'm training guys that are like, um, you know, whether it's, you know, a high school athlete, a college athlete, a professional. You know, professional athlete. You know, we're not, the one thing that I think I've expressed to you in the past before is that like, you know, I see you and you're really connected with the MMA world still. And like, in another life, maybe I would have been, you know, and, mm-hmm. but then again, that's another life. You know, I maybe, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I don't think if I didn't go down that path, obviously I would have never met my wife. I wouldn't have knocks. Totally. All those things, all those things. And I would not give up any of that, you know, but like as a, as a wrestler, Oh, I could wish I could go back. And that's why like, it's like now, like when I have those demons, Oh man, I tell people when I talk about you, it's like the stars didn't align for me because a lot of times, you know, for my own doing, mm-hmm. but in another life, maybe, you know, whatever could have happened in high school, college. And, you know, especially I was so close with Uriah in college and stuff. Uriah went, segued right into the, you know, MMA world. Like, seamless transition. Seamlessly. Like yeah. I could have, I was practice. I was Uriah's practice partner a lot because I loved, he was a scrapper. I was practice. too. I went up to UC Davis a few times to wrestle with you. And the next thing I know, I'm drilling with Uriah how to like, you know, do submission counters totally. and, cause my judo background just getting into yeah. the MMA. So it's like, you know, I'm thinking I've thought in the past, well, like, man, if I wasn't like going off the deep end at that time, I could have just, you know, stayed up there in Sacramento and been part of the whole, the whole team alpha male. Yeah. Whole I mean, thing. I was, but it's like, then again, that's not the trajectory you look at that life. was meant. Yeah. I mean, even for you, I, Oh man, I'll tell you just like my heart aches because uh, you know, like it hard, it, it, you know, I know for you, if the stars would have lined, I, I had this conversation like recently because I was telling somebody about you, you know, but it's like, you know, the stars aligned for you in another lifestyle or in another life, you know, national champ or all American in Nebraska or judo Olympian or medalist or whatever, all these things that you chased for years and years, but it's pretty awesome how it's like coming full circle now where you're like getting that through coaching and you know the high level coaching that you're doing with the judo team the olympic team and with mma and ronda rousey and everything it's like you're finally kind of like getting what's due to you after all that that's work. a way to look at it i guess i, I know i know what you're saying though i know exactly you know what, what I mean? you're saying yeah it, it, it is coming full circle and it's uh but you know, just like myself or yourself, if we sit there looking back at like, yeah, if you use that as fuel or motivation, like that's what it's doing. Yeah. I don't like living in the past, but I do understand intense, um, observation of reflection, reflecting on your, your past work and how that, you know, pushes you forward in the future. And I think I had some mistakes uh, that I, I isolated and I Mm -hmm. learned from, Yep. especially in that run for 2004 is what you were mostly mm-hmm. referring to. Uh, Jeff was at the Olympic trials where I competed in the finals of the Olympic trials and uh, it didn't work out for me. I lost by like a very interesting rule that 
that ended up getting overturned about six months later. That rule didn't exist anymore. So I hit my head and the doctor came out and grazed my shoulder and that disqualified me because the doctor had done a procedure on me, like the way the rules constituted. So in judo, so it was kind of a weird little thing that happened where it seemed like it was kind of a, my dreams were like pulled out from under me on a carpet I was standing on. But Jeff was there to witness the whole thing. And I had a section of, you know, maybe 10 people like Jeff that were there. And it was like such a high going into those matches where I felt like it was like team yeah. Justin totally, you know, we had a whole, I thought it was more than 10 people. At least it seemed like it yeah, we just being that loud. <laughs> no, probably I, I was down on the floor most of the time, yeah. but it, I was like totally feeling all your energy. Everyone and I was, was that? Everyone was coked up. Yeah, we were actually, <laughs> we were, <laughs> We were going out to the parking lot in between matches. <laughs> and so, yeah. This is who I roll with. Yeah, we yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not proud of that. But, um, yeah, know, but like, that's the way it went down. And, I mean, I learned a lot from that. I learned yeah. a lot from that experience about myself and yeah. how I look at myself in the mirror and what my self-worth is. It's not mm -hmm. whether a referee points in my direction or my opponent's direction. Mm -hmm. It's like the work that went into it, how I handle myself afterwards yeah. and how I conduct myself as a, an adult right. rather than trying to point fingers and living in the past and trying to stay yeah. kind of in a negative place over totally. it. And it was really tough. I mean, I was digging ditches. I remember waking up one morning after those Olympic trials, I had a job at making eight bucks an hour digging ditches that summer. And I woke up to USA Today, that, that TV show on NBC, where the guy that beat me was on, Alex Adiano was on USA Today being interviewed in his judo gi like the day before he competed. And he was, you know, he's he made it the yeah. highest you could make it in judo. Like that's the goal. I mean, the yeah. goal is to be an Olympic qualifier. Yeah. An Olympic. And you got, you and Alex had gone head to head and how many times, at 15, that point? 20 times. And you guys had, you had how many wins and he had how many yeah, wins? Like it was, it was like, it was pretty close. Pretty I had close. more, but he, yeah. Yeah. Could have been, it could have been gone either way. Right. And so that, and I know like, even with your wrestling career, it's like, easy to look back and say, Hey, you know, I think you did the right path by chasing your judo dreams after, you know, but same thing with wrestling. Yeah. Like, I don't think you, in a perfect world, we both have those similar, like, okay, if I would have stuck around a little longer here yeah. and sold, bought into this coaching philosophy, sure. My demons weren't exactly the same as yours, but I was like, I'm stuck here in Nebraska. Yeah. I don't like this culture. I don't like these coaches yeah. and the same coaches there now, who's coach Jordan Burroughs, right. who has been there for 15 years, who right. the success is like obvious. It's not right. someone like that was just there for a year as a replacement coach. He, right. He's a legend. Yeah. So it's not someone I had to look inward after a while and be like, I must was it him or was it me? Exactly. And <laughs> I had my very similar experiences you had where I, I, you know, was the guy who was going hardcore at the bar or mm -hmm. doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing during season or during yeah. off season when I could have been getting better in the sport right. of wrestling or right. getting my grades better. I was focused on the social aspect a little bit and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was stuck in a place where I didn't feel that it was home. You right. know, where I was in the middle of the country and people didn't have the same upbringing. No one had the same upbringing as me, you know, mm -hmm. being a Hispanic 
smaller southern california cowboy you know totally (laughs) so things didn't really mesh that well after my coaches got fired and they brought in the new coaches so yeah but there are regrets for both of us and i think we've done pretty well i mean i remember talking a very similar conversation at the wrestling state tournament a couple years ago we were both there we both coach a wrestler he is a strength and conditioning coach and i'm his wrestling coach uh, private coach. He wrestled at Poway, Chase Zolman, four-time state place runner, All-American. And we were there one night, I think it was in between the first and the second night of competition. And we were just talking about our lives and, and where we're at now and how things have gone for us. And are we happy with our life and all really positive stuff. And we're like, you know, the next step is obviously having a kid. <laughs> and we both kind of, you know, tapped into that literally (laughs) and right when we got home (laughs) the day we got home both of our wives uh were pregnant so our kids are within a week apart yeah could have been born on the same same day day. i think they're 10 days apart or less yeah my wife's uh adam my son was uh, a little late so they they had to kind of induce where i think on paper, they should have been born around the same day. Yeah. So it's funny that we both drove home. I remember the drive home too. We were like stuck in traffic. And yeah. I think Misha Tate or Conor McGregor was fighting Nate Diaz. I remember that. Oh my God. Yeah, because uh, I was getting texts and mm-hmm. it was Misha versus Holly, and mm-hmm. Holly had just beat Ronda. So yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. like the time. Yeah. But yeah, it was an interesting little thing. And now, Look at us. We both oh, have no. kids. We're adults. That's incredible. It's crazy because I don't feel like I have anything figured out. I'm right. just, I'm just Learning trying as to going. figure things out as we yeah. go. And uh, we must be doing something right. Yeah. So I'm kind of I'm stoked for our trajectories. Right. And hopefully, you know, you're able to keep the, the positive life force going. And yeah. I know I know you will. And I really I really respect all the hard work you've done to, to keep things on a swivel and yeah. make sure that you're providing for your family. Yeah. And, well, you know, you can, you know, attest to that fact that, you know, you find like you're, you know, you're in your career and then, you know, becoming a father, just, you know, you, you have your purpose in life, but then it's like, you know, you have your first child and it's like that purpose is just amplified and you're, you know, that, you know, more driven and, you know, um, whatever drives each of us, you know, as people to do. I mean, people that, what drives me is the people that are around me. You know, I'm lucky still today, just like I have in other wrestling teams and stuff in the past, I still have this incredible group of people around me and everything like that. And people like yourself, you know, you're, you know, motivating me from afar, doing your deal. It's like, you know, rubbing off on me. But then it's like, then you come home, you know, at night, you come home from like, traveling with the judo team or something you come back to adam and it's just like it's amazing yeah it's so just reinforces everything it makes everything relevant it's it's crazy man yeah but i'm really stoked for you and i'm glad you came man and i just wanted to to thank you and i'm going to take you up on that workout i've at some point workout like workouts once a week workouts yeah, come okay, on, bro. okay so if this, both. if this alliance I'm mma gig in this week <laughs> if this alliance mma gig works out i'll be down there more often so awesome, i think man. it'll be something a little bit more realistic than right now but thanks for coming jeff yes, sir. Uh, anything your gym you want to plug yeah or? fitness quest 10 and scripps ranch um it's an incredible place with um incredible culture and um yeah come by and get a workout in take a class uh you won't be disappointed Cool, man. And just like as far as some of the stuff we talked about, as far as addiction, we've all had friends that have gone down that that rabbit hole into Mm -hmm. the the dark arts. And 
there's a way out, you know, you could get help and there's locally, there's SoCal recovery. It's SoCalRecovery.com or SCRC. And just if you, if you feel like you're, you need an option in that regard, look it up and try and try and get some help, man. And, yeah. uh, again, reach out, reach out to me. Yeah. I'm happy to talk to anybody. For sure. Yeah. And you could find your Instagram, your Facebook, yep. your Twitter. What, what do you got? Bristol fit at Bristol fit is uh, my Instagram and, uh, yeah, follow me and send me a message if you have any questions about training or recovery or anything. For sure. Yes, awesome. So that'll conclude this episode of the Flow Factory podcast. Uh, follow us on YouTube, um, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And share it. Like it. Have a good night, guys. Take it easy. Take Peace. Care.